by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Last week, how many remembers that video we watched? It was Francis Chan. It was called The Balance Beam, and he had a real balance beam up here. He probably, you know, had the, the resources to rent a balance beam for his uh, sermons. I don't have those resources, so we'll just pretend. But he, he had this balance beam, and you remember he was telling how tragedy had struck his life early on. He had lost his parents. He'd lost his step-parents. He'd lost the aunt and uncle who was raising him, and, and it was just horrible circumstances. And he was saying what that does is m- many times people get on that balance beam, you remember, and he was just holding on. I can't take any more disasters, you know. And uh, the same thing could be said about what we're going to talk about today failure. You may have tried to reach out and you give your heart to somebody, fell in love and got it all stomped on. You know how it happens. And you, you say, oh, I'm never loving again. You know, or you may have tried to start a business and it went belly up right off the bat. And, and Well, I'm never doing that again. I, I'm just going to work at the Dairy Queen the rest of my life, you know. And so people, they get hurt, they have disasters, they have failures in their life. And the next thing you know, they're holding on to that balance beam. And you remember what he did. He said at the end, when you stand before God, you're going to jump off and go, you know, and wait for your score like you're going to get a 10 or something. Well, is that going to happen? If you don't put on a a routine. You've got to have a routine in your life. You've got to do something. This life is meant to be lived. How many knows that? Uh, I wrote, does the risk of another failure have you just holding on, playing safe, or does it make you want to do better? See, that shows a little bit about your character. If you fall, if you make a mistake, if you fail, that should spur you to want to do better, not just to go into a cave and hide. We have so many people, we have too many people in America today hiding out because of past failures. You can just look on TV and you ain't even failed, but you just see the failure of the government or failure of society and you want to hide out. We can't let failure stop us. Today's message is entitled, The Fail Festival. Like I said, not to be confused with the Fall Festival, which would probably be a lot more fun. But this is be more educational and uh, I think it'll be more productive. You may be surprised at who all's been to the Fell Festival in the past. All of us. <laughs> There's a little guy named uh, Michael Jordan. He used to play basketball. You might <coughs> remember him. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. And that's just the ones in the game, not at practice. He said, I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. You know, the famous Michael Jordan, the, the one who can do no wrong, they say the best basketball player of all times, 26 times he came down the court with one second left and took the shot and missed. And then had to walk to the locker room thinking, the whole team trusted me, the whole city was rooting for me, and I failed. Think about it. 
But yet he's known as the greatest basketball player of all times. He says, I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. He embraced failure. Can it be done? It's really a matter of the way you look at things. What do you consider failure? Well, the Bible says getting back up after failure is no big deal. It's not failure. Failure is staying down. Henry Ford, you may have heard of him. You may have drove one of his products in here this morning. But he started five businesses that all failed before he started the Ford Motor Company. Isn't that incredible? How many of you, after the third bankruptcy, would be saying, maybe I'm not a businessman? He said, failure is only the opportunity to begin again, only this time more wisely. How many's heard of a guy named Colonel Sanders? His famous secret chicken recipe was rejected 1,009 times before a restaurant finally picked it up. By then, it didn't seem like it was too secret anymore. Thomas Edison, I know you've heard this, he tried to make the light bulb over and over again and failed and failed probably thousands of times. He said, I've not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that it don't work. That's the way you got to see failure. It's a learning process. And when do you most often learn the most? Do you learn the most when you succeed and you think you've got it all together? Or when, it, when your heart's wrenched out and you say, oh my goodness, I failed again. And life just like, wow. But you, but you can learn in those times when you're down in the trenches. In the valley, you often learn more from God than you do on the mountaintop. You even look at the Israelites when they were, you know, uh, in the promised land, finally got in the promised land. When they were doing well, they forgot about the Lord. But it was in their hard times, struggles, when it seemed like they were failures, that God came in and, and picked them up and dusted them off and made them uh, remember and learn from their experience. I thought this was incredible. Vincent Van Gogh, the famous painter who sells paintings for hundreds of millions of dollars, only sold one painting in his lifetime one painting and that was to a friend I know the feeling <laughs> one time I spent weeks recording a CD I had a mailing list group that I marketed it to I had all my ducks in a row and I did everything I thought just right and I just said man this is going to take off I sold three to my mom. <laughs> she still boasts about it today. She had to give it to some people, and I bet they went, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that was, some, that was such a colossal failure for me because I thought, man, I, I really th thought I was doing the right thing. But it was such a colossal failure. Really, it was such a failure to the degree that there was no way that it failed like that much on its own. There had to be some God help in that failure. I mean, God had to put the kibosh on that whole idea. I'm serious. And I think sometimes God will cause you to fail, to make sure you're on the right path, to make sure you learn what you need to learn. Maybe I was, it would have led me to get into something that I, that I did the wrong direction in my life. I don't know what I learned from that, but I learned not to do that again. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes your failure at something is just to tell you, don't, don't do that. That's not your direction in life. 
Listen to this. I bet you didn't know that Elvis Presley once played at uh, uh, Grand Ole Opry. Once. You know what they told him? They said, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. That's what they told Elvis Presley at the Grand Ole Opry. What if he'd have took that advice? He'd have never did it his way. Babe Ruth was the home run champion with 714 home runs. Everybody celebrated that, but did you know at the same time that he was the home run king, he was also the strikeout king? And you know what he said about it? He said, every strike brings me closer to the next home run. That's the way he looked at a strikeout. He swung for the fences. That, that big man, he didn't do one of these compact swing trying to hit a base hit. I mean, every swing. Because of that, he struck out a lot. But when he hit it, you know, how does God want you to swing in life? What kind of swing are you giving this life? Homer Simpson, you know what he said? Why is that funny? He's a real guy. Homer Simpson, he said, trying is the first step towards failure. Do! <laughs> but he's got a point there. If you're trying, eventually you're going to fail. If you're not trying, you know what? I would rather try and fail my whole life than go through my whole life and never even try. Failure is just part of it course sometimes there's moral failures sometimes we sin against God and that's different we don't want those those are different Moses killed an Egyptian David had adultery with Bathsheba and then killed her husband terrible stuff Peter denied the Lord in his time of need terrible things what do you do when you have a, just a moral breakdown, just a complete failure? And some of you right here today, they're just coming off of one. Some of you might be in a moral failure right now. You may be doing something that you know you should not do. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you and he's saying, don't do that no more. Here's what you do. Here's what you do when you find yourself in a moral failure. First, you confess. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, right? The second thing you do after you confess that must go along with the confession or else your confession is really no good is you repent. You confess and repent. I know in my life we all have our weaknesses and we all have our points of temptation where the devil really pushes our buttons and there's things that we're all working on let's be honest none of us in here have arrived there's areas in my life and times in my life where I would sin and I would I would confess to God and boy I would really really I would bawl and cry and squall and tell God how sorry I am and just beat myself up over it but really I knew that down the road I would do that again and I was in this pattern where I would sin, and I, I would feel bad and beat myself up, but I'd just wait, and I'd try my best, but then I would do it again. And I would cry 
and stomp around, ask God to forgive me and feel horrible about myself, and I would do it again. What was missing in that scenario? Repentance. You see, repentance is the thing where you turn from that. You're saying, but I know, but when I'm failing like that, you know, when I, it's a weak point, and, and I, even if I repent, I know I'll do it again. Not necessarily. You see, it's something about repentance. It's something about saying, God, I know I've been going in that direction, but I'm turning from that. I'm turning my back on that. And by everything that's within me, with your help, I am turning from that. Not just saying, well, I know I'll probably do it again. Repentance is an important, important part of a Christian's life. We have to trust that where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. And God will give me the power to overcome sin, not to be in bondage. He's, he's broken the chains, you see. But the reason that many times Christians are trapped in a, an ongoing pattern of sin is because they never repent. They just confess and whine and cry and get under condemnation and do it again. You've got to get out of that cycle, and you've got to learn to say, God, as I'm standing here before you, I don't want that. I turn my back on that. And with all that's in me and with your help, I am never doing that again. And you take a stand before God, and then you turn your back on that sin. And if you do it again, you repent again. But I tell you what, that means more than just a, well, I'm just going to see how it goes kind of attitude. Look, God is not playing about sin. I'm serious. If he sent his son to die on the cross because of sin, it's not, you think he wanted to, that's just something he does? He's serious about your sin, about my sin. It's, it's killing us. He hates it because sin kills us. The wages is death. So don't play with that. Confess, repent, and then the third thing is learn from it. Confess, repent, Learn from it, and then finally, move on. Put it behind you. The Apostle Paul, you know, he persecuted the church. He had Christians killed at his feet. He put them in prison. He was the biggest enemy of God for a long time. And here's what he had to say in Philippians 3.13. Excuse me. Would somebody keep me in your prayers about this dry cough? Because this has been on my nerves for like six months now, and it's really causing me not to be able to communicate effectively. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended. In other words, he's like us. I know some stuff, but I don't know it all. I ain't got it all together. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. I'm not sure who it was that preached this here, but I never forgot it. Like a trapeze artist, you know, they time it where they swing out, and then the swing meets them, and there's a point in time where they have to let go of the past and grab a hold of that new and let go and trust God to go to the next level. If you don't let go, what happens? You go up there, and you just find yourself doing this until you finally peter out. You have to let go of the past. He says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God still has a high calling for you. 
Paul did all these things, but it didn't stop him from having a high calling. In fact, he had a wonderful calling. He went on to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament. Important stuff. What have you done worse than watching Christians being killed at your feet, having them in prison, and being the biggest enemy of God? I came close. But, I mean, we have gone through some things, but it didn't stop the high calling of God in your life. The call of God is without repentance. And he's not turning. He's got things for you to do. You know what? They're so big. Teenagers, the things that God has for you to do are so big that you couldn't handle it all at once. And so he sets little marks before you. He says, reach forth to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. See, we, we... we couldn't gather. I couldn't ever picture myself here 15 years ago, you know, preaching to you guys. That's a, I ain't got nothing to say. But it's not, it's not me. It's God in me, you see. And, and I just kept working towards the mark or the prize. I would get up and say, okay, this week I'm supposed to go to work in a children's church, and I would be faithful with that mark. What is your mark? Your mark might just today, it might just be to get through today with so much still going on. Some of you, it might be, This is what I want to have done by the end of this year. That's your mark. God will set a mark for you. And you just, you you have to walk with God to hear what that mark is. That's, you know, that's a whole other sermon. That's every sermon. Walk with God and find out what your mark is. He said, let us therefore as many be perfect. In other words, us mature Christians, be thus minded. That's the way we think. Putting things behind us, the past, and pressing forward. Just... Walking with God, hitting the mark, hitting the mark. Let us be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal, reveal even this unto you. And what he's saying there is, if you, don't got, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, God will reveal it to you. You just keep walking with him. Life can be a long journey. I say that all the time. Because I know I'm, I'm one of those Nike guys. No, I'm Burger King guy. I just do it, but I want it now. You know what's, what's Burger King? I want it my way. No, that's Elvis. Uh, what's the one I want it now? Is it? Have it your way? I don't know. One of them is I want it now, you know, something along those lines. We have digressed. Life can be a long journey. Yeah, I got it's a long journey, and I'm running out of time. And we must learn from our mistakes without them becoming anchors to our past. You're going to make mistakes, but don't let them hold you to your past. They're not meant to be anchors to your past. They're supposed to set you free so you can run fast. All of life is a test. Haven't you realized that? I mean, once we got saved, we could have just been zapped to heaven, even if you're not saved. It's a test to see if you're going to get saved. This whole thing, this whole human condition down here is a test before God. How are you going to respond? I found that it'd be an extensive training in humility. That's all life is. Humble yourself before the mighty God that he may exalt you in due time. But he's not going to exalt you. See, he's trying to work out his salvation. He's not trying for you to work out what the devil did. The devil wanted to exalt his throne above God, didn't he? 
He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be bigger than God. And that's what's in man. We want, man, we're going to make a stairway to heaven, you know. They had the Tower of Babel. They were going to walk up into heaven and take over. And that's man's attitude. We don't want God to tell us what to do. All of life is a test of your humility, your willingness to submit to God's will. And why can't we just trust God? Have we not been far enough with God where we can just say, I know he's got my best at heart, and I know if I just do exactly what he says, things will work out. Why do we fight against God so hard? It's that sin nature. But we're supposed to die to that old man. We're supposed to trust God. We live by faith. Failure can often be the quickest way to find humility. And so I believe a lot of times we fail because we just need a lesson in humility. I am a living example. I have failed over and I, I must have been the most prideful man in all of history because I have experienced more failure than, than anybody I know. I have tried stuff and failed and failed and failed and failed. But now, because of all that failure, I'm like the king of humility. You know, I'm about the best hum humble person you've ever seen. I mean, there's nobody humble like me. I mean, I am the humble one. You know what I'm saying? And so, I, I expect to see some success coming because of this great humility that I have. <clears throat> Psalms 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. A lady named Mary Pickford, she says, if you have made mistakes, even serious ones, there's always another chance for you. What we call failure is not the falling down, but the staying down. If you don't get back up, that's, that's the ultimate failure. Falling down is not the failure. It's not getting back up. And listen, all failure is not because of sin. We talked about the moral failures, but all failure is not because of sin. Often, failure is not the opposite of success. It's just part of the journey towards it. Does that make sense? When we look at op opposites, we say, well, you got failure and you got success. Why is this doing that? You got failure over here, opposite, success. But that's not the case. Many times, your failures are, are in the same journey towards your success. They're there, like I said, to teach you, to help you, to grow you, to strengthen you for the journey ahead. You know, why didn't God, and some of this just comes to me, why didn't God just, you know, wipe out all the people for them in the, in the promised land? Why did they have to go in and take every city? Why did they have to fight for it? Man, God, why is there a fight at all down here? Why didn't God just make it all about peace, love, and joy, and rainbows, and Skittles? Man, what is stuff in, that really matters, you got to fight for it. It makes it important to you. Jesus didn't let failure slow him down. What? Did he say Jesus failed? <laughs> Hebrews, hold on, listen, listen up. Hebrews 4.15 says, the, This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. 
You see, he came down to be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He came down to know our human condition. He, he come down to know what you're going through. Yeah, but has he ever lost a child? Yeah, Father God did on the cross. Has he ever faced rejection? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Has he ever done? Yes, he's done just about everything. But yet he did not sin. And it goes on to say, well, what did it go on to say? Oh, I was going to say that he did not sin. That shows that failure is not necessarily sin. Did Jesus consider it a failure when his home, own hometown, his family, half of them, they didn't believe in him? Would you consider that a failure? If you were trying to start a business or do something and your own family wouldn't come and buy something from you or come to your restaurant or whatever you were doing, would you that, consider that a failure? I did when they didn't buy my CDs. <laughs> I mean, you, it makes you feel like, hey, I have failed. Mark 6, 5 says because of their unbelief in his hometown, he couldn't do many miracles except place his hands on a few sick folks. Ouch. That had to hurt. That a prophet's not honored in his own hometown. And you could, you know, you could say being rejected by the whole world, you know, may have have felt like a failure to Jesus. Isaiah 53, 3 says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Wow. Our Lord and Savior, creator of all things, sustainer of the universe. He was despised, a man of sorrow. Must, must have felt like a failure. Well, at least he experienced what we would probably call failure. Jesus knew that, it, that failure is inevitable when trying to reach everybody. What am I saying? When he sent his disciples out to go two by two and, and you know, witness, in Mark 6, 11, it says, But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their faith. In other words, he knew some people were going to reject the gospel message. He understood there was a certain level of failure involved with a big task like reaching the world. He's, but he wanted him to know, look, you just go tell them. You ain't got to win them all. You just plant water and I'll bring the increase. And that's one of the things I, I learned from watching Brother Tom as we would go to the neighborhood outreaches and knock on doors. You know, I wanted everybody to receive the message. I wanted them to break down and cry and weep and give their heart to Jesus right there. And some of them would be rather rude or, and obviously lost and, and just, ah, I don't care nothing about that. And, and Brother Tom would say, all right, see you later. And shake the dust off and go to the next one. And I'm like, well, Brother Tom, shouldn't we stop and pray for him? He's going on to the next one. He understands there's a certain amount of failure involved with trying to reach everybody. It's not going to happen. The Bible says that it's not God's will that anyone perish. But we see people perishing every day. Would we consider God a failure? Something to think about. Failure is part of life. Some failure we experience might not be because of a personal shortcoming but because we have tackled a task too big 
not to fail. In other words, people who take that big swing, they've set themselves up to fail a certain amount of times. And they just take it in stride because they know that next pitch, that next strike is going to be the home run. Some task that God will give you, He's calling you to do, He's setting you up for a lot of failure before you get there. Well, thanks, God. Failure's part of it. When you do God-sized task, you're doing stuff that's going to require some failure. God-sized endeavors. There's a difference in experiencing failure and being a failure. And we're not the judge of, of those things. Sometimes we see somebody failing at what they're doing, and we want that must not be God. They don't know what they're doing. They, and we begin to judge. Sometimes it's Christians. We see other Christians. They're in some kind of, they're smoking cigarettes or they're, they're still going to the nightclubs or something that we've, oh, they ought to know better than that. And we just want to get on, jump on their back. You know, we want to judge them. Look. We better consider ourselves lest we fall. We don't judge the person. We judge the sin. We go to them. We tell them, that's wrong. Don't do that. But we don't judge the person. We don't judge people when, when they're going through hard times. Because you've been through hard times. You didn't, want, that's what, you didn't want everybody judging you. You wanted some support. We need to lift each other up, not bring each other down. I'm not saying that we don't, take, we don't judge sin, but we don't judge the sinner. And when, when we look out in the world, what do we call unbelievers? Sinners. Why do we think it's so strange when they sin? I mean, we, oh my goodness, did you see what they did? I can't believe they did that. Don't they know better? No, they don't. They're dead in their sins and trespasses. They don't know God. They're doing what comes natural to them. So the, God's way is not to go in there and start telling them about their sin. God's way is to show them the answer for their sin. The cross. Show them that they're lost, yes, only so that you can tell them how to be found. There's an idea. If we, you know, I don't know. I mean, what good would it do to help clean them up but never get them saved? You know, they'd be the cleanest person ever bust hell wide open. <laughs> that does no good. Our job is like Jesus sent them two by two to preach the gospel, to go in all the world and tell the good news and so that they can get saved. And then they'll have the power to overcome sin. It's our job to catch the fish. It's God's job to clean the fish. With our help, I mean, come on. As a church, we help but we don't judge. After the horrible carnage and the Confederate retreat at Gettysburg, General Robert E. Lee wrote this to Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy. <coughs> In other words, at Gettysburg, the rebels lost terribly. They had to retreat. And Robert E. Lee says this, we must expect reverses 
or retreats, even defeats. They are sent to teach us wisdom and prudence, to call forth greater energies, and to prevent our falling into greater disasters. Sometimes God is, is inching you forward. Two steps forward, one step back. <laughs> In the world, it's one step forward, two steps back. In God, it's two steps forward, one step back. God is a God of ebbs and flows, Pastor Vickers told me. I got concerned at, at one point that the church attendance was going down. Scratching my head, what's going on? You know, I got nervous. He said, don't even worry about it. God is a God of ebbs and flows. He, he'll, he'll, he'll have a, a rush of new people, and you'll have new life in the church, and then all of a sudden it'll come back. He says he's just preparing you and getting you ready for the next flow. He's just getting you ready for the next flow. And God, he's like that. Ebbs and flows, coming and going, mountains and valleys. You go through all these things in life, ups and downs. Life is like a roller coaster. You know, just hang on for the ride. Trust God. You know, in a boxing match, unless it's like a really one-sided affair, both the winner and the loser come out taking several shots to the head, right? Each shot could be considered a small failure. You left, your, you left your guard down or something. You did something wrong and took a shot to the head. But that boxer, he's not just going to quit. Oh, man, I got hit twice. Even if he gets knocked down, a big failure. A good boxer is going to do what? Get back up. Because what? He knows that the judgment don't come until the end. you got to keep in the fight. you got to keep pressing forward because it's not over till it's over and you know what the reason why the boxers get hit typically is because they're throwing a punch themselves and the bigger the swing they're taking to the hit with more force and, and a bigger uh, result leaves them open for a longer space of time to get hit so you open yourselves up to try to do great things and you open yourselves up to some failures but you got to take some punches if you're going to give some punches you know, our outreach here at the Passion Church, many might consider our outreach a miserable failure, and I sometimes struggle with that too because we'll have an outreach, you know, and go to, go to the mall outreach or something or to the door-to-door, -door, and it'll be me and Tom and maybe one other, sometimes no other. Sometimes, it, you know, there'll be a few volunteers, and we'll have an ebb or a flow, and we'll have some people come. And, uh, but basically, by the world's standards, we do terribly. We do miserably as far as getting people to help. And then when we go door to door, you know, we may talk to 100 people. And none of them get saved that day. Sometimes you have seven or eight get saved, but none get saved that day. We just talk to them and we go to the next house or, or we talk to somebody at the mall. Last time we went to the mall, I talked to at least five people I gave a business card to that said that they were looking for a new church. They promised that they were going to be here Sunday. How many showed last Sunday? And that's to be expected. Out of the hundreds that you talk to and invite, it's usually maybe one that shows. So would you consider us a failure at that? Maybe we just need to drop our outreach program. Maybe we just need to drop our outreach program. Now, I, man, it would be so much easier if Pastor Guy would get off our backs about going to the outreach, trying to train us, trying to teach us, trying to encourage us 
to get outside of ourselves. Man, it would just be so easy to just drop it and do like the rest of the churches. We don't even care about this community. I'm not saying the rest of the churches don't. <laughs> I take that back. But we're not going to reach out to the community through face-to-face outreach. Let me say that. But what would Jesus be doing if he was here today? What do you think Jesus would be doing? I know we got a bad success rate, but every success is eternal. And like you said, we're planting seed, we're watering, we're just doing our job. It's not our responsibility to, to bring the increase. It's our responsibility to plant and water. And so we're just being faithful. And I, and I think every little success, we fight for them. We had six people here at our uh, LinkedIn service last Sunday night that wanted to become members of the church. I told them, every, we have fought for you. And I look at people that... Maybe some of you are here today because of our door-to-door outreach or our mall outreach. Maybe some of them have, have been here for 30 years, but, but it was originally because of the door-to-door outreach or something. And every one of you is something to shout about. And I wouldn't take it back. If it was just one of you here because of our mall outreach, I would keep going. Because you're, you're my brother and sister. You're in my family. You've got to fight for that, those things. They're precious. And so, yeah, I hear it a lot. Man, we got to do something different. We, and we're trying other stuff, too. We're trying everything we know. But look, I consider the Passion Church outreach to be a huge success because some of you here are fruit of that ministry. And if it was just one, I'd be ecstatic. So call me what you want to call me. You could probably call me that anyway. One of my heroes is Rocky Balboa. I know he's the fictional character. You probably like Batman or some some cartoon character. I like Rocky Balboa. Here's what he said. Let me tell you something you already know. This world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, nobody's going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Thank you. But the words that he's saying, that's why I like Rocky Balboa. Man, if anybody could take a punch, that guy had zero defense. I've never seen anybody just hit me. (laughs) His face would be this big at the end of the match. But he had more heart than anybody. What's my my point? I don't know. But don't be afraid to fail. Keep moving forward. Can't we trust God? If God be for us, who can be against us, you know? Keep moving forward. Leave the results up to him. He's got it under control. You know what? Fear is the enemy, not failure. Fear is the enemy. My, my father-in-law was telling me an example, an illustration. He said, like, God's promises are right here. You know, they're, all their power, everything God has for you, but it's like a paper wall in front of it that the devil puts up. 
And we look at it and we say, man, there's no way around this wall. I can't climb over. It's like the walls of Jericho. And so we turn around and go home. And we're scared of that big wall. We can't get to what God wants for us. Really, it's just paper. Bust right on through. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's false. It's a fake wall. And I tell you, whatever fear that you have that keeps you from doing what God has called you to do, you've got to bust through it. Don't stand there and argue with it. Josh isn't in there, so I'll tell a story on him. One time, we was at this lake, and there was a rock about this high off the water, and he sat there for like 20 minutes. I said, you can do it, Josh. It's just right there. You can almost reach and touch it. Finally, after about 20 minutes, he, oh, wow. And then he kept going up to that rock, and he jumped off of it 100 times. He was having the time of his life. And right next to that rock was one that was about this much higher. And that boy, I, I started jumping off it. I said, come jump off of this one. He would not jump off that rock. I don't, if I threw him off that rock, he would have flew back. <laughs> he would not, he was so scared, but it was just this much difference. Really? What's keeping you from being what God has called you to be? What if Esther would have never taken the chance to go before the king, took the risk? The Israelites would be wiped out. What if Moses was afraid to go before Pharaoh? The Israelites would still be in bondage to sin, I mean to slavery. What if Moses was afraid to go up on that mountain burning with fire where God was? We wouldn't have the Ten Commandments that teaches us that we need Jesus. What if, what if Jesus was afraid to go to the cross? then me and you would still be dead in our sins and trespasses, still in bondage. Risks have to be taken. It's okay to fail. Fail over and over. Be like Thomas Edison. Just keep doing it until you get it right. Keep swinging until you hit a home run. Don't judge each other. Encourage one another. Where am I at? All of life is at the risk of failure. Everything you do is at the risk of failure. But you've got to rise to the challenges in your life because if you don't, you're going to be holding on to that, that balance beam. And when you get to heaven, you're going to jump off and you ain't even going to do that. You just... <laughs> is that the way you want to stand before God? I want to say, all right, move it on in, boys. I got truckloads full of crowns I want to cast at my Lord's feet. That's how winning is done. That's how living is done. You got to reach for it. You got to let go and you got to reach for what's next. What he tells you to reach for, reach for it. That's the only way you're going to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Bow your head and close your eyes. If there's anybody in here today that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the first step. That is the most colossal failure that you could ever make. It's to see Jesus hanging on that cross and know that he was up there to pay for your sin and reject him, reject his love and his free offer of salvation and just say, I, I'm going to side with the devil. 
I want to exalt my throne above God. I'm going to do things my way. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, now is the time. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. This is that dividing point where I say, the past be the past at last. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on towards the mark now. You don't even have a mark if you ain't made Jesus Lord of your life. You have nothing to shoot for. You're a sinner. You're sinning by nature. You can't stop yourself. You want to be a good person, but there's no real hope for it because you don't have the power to overcome sin. You're just stuck. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.